0: Good morning everyone. It's so great to be with you today. My name's Ben. Um, Welcome back to my front room. Since you've been here last, not much has changed. Um, We've had a dust in here, I've had a bit of a tidy, but fundamentally it's the same. In terms of what's new with me, I've had to do what many guys have had to do and uh, get our, our wives, our loved ones to cut our hair. Emily's cut my hair. And to be quite honest I think she's done a really good job I think this might be the new normal for me a monthly haircut at home we'll see how it goes this morning as a church we are continuing in our psalm series this is part of our in these days uh, series and this series aims to speak into our present situation it aims to explore what's going on Some of the fundamentals of who God is and what our response should be in this crisis and maybe you're watching this morning and you've been part of Grace Church for years or maybe you've been invited to come along this morning as uh, one of your friends has uh, given you an invite or you've stumbled across us on a website Well look, you are so welcome. It's so great to be with you here today. And I'm finding a question that lots of people are asking at the moment, whether they have faith or not, is where is God in this current situation? Maybe you are a Christian, but do you ever have moments where you feel like God is not there? Moments where you pray and you don't get a response moments where you f- possibly feel all alone is that sometimes your reality I, obviously i can't hear you but for all of us it will be a yes i don't need to hear that response it'll be a yes because at different points in our lives that's everyone's experience you know i have times where i feel disconnected from god And if you this morning are in one of those times, today's message will be especially powerful because this psalm that we're looking at, it speaks right into your situation. It speaks right into how you handle those times. And if this is not your current experience, at some point in your life, it will be. So prepare yourself for it and really listen to the message this morning. Today we're uh, looking at Psalm 103. Now at the start of this psalm, it refers to David. This is the same David who asked God questions such as why or how long, Lord? He knew what it was like to struggle. Now that, before we even look at the words of the psalm, is so reassuring for us, isn't it? That one of the greatest characters in the Bible... A man after God's own heart had moments where he felt disconnected from God. Your faith is not somehow less authentic when you wrestle with doubt and frustration, with unanswered prayer. In actual fact, your faith becomes stronger and more authentic as you ask these hard questions and you come out the other side. Psalm 103 gives us an incredible structure for how we deal with these tough times. So let's crack on, let's open our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible to hand, don't worry. Uh, The words will come up on the screen. I'm gonna be reading from the ESV and we're gonna be treating this Psalm, uh, we're gonna be dividing it into sections because it's quite a long Psalm. And the first five verses Think of them in a sense as a rallying cry to yourself to praise the Lord. A rallying cry to praise. It says this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life? from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There are moments in life where worship is actually easy. You know, sometimes when I wake up and I I go downstairs and have my quiet time and as I'm making a cup of tea, often when I'm feeling buoyant, the sun is already shining. And as I'm making that tea, I command one of my doodle speakers to play me some worship music and then I sing along with all of my heart. You know, straight away, I am thankful for encountering Jesus, for the reality that he transformed my life. I'm so thankful for the sufficiency of the gospel that Jesus did it all. He broke my chains. He enabled me to soar on eagle's wings and worship. Just for your information, my current uh, worship album of choice is by a group called Shane and Shane. It's called Psalms Live. It's great. It's very apt for the moment. Uh, But when I request Google to play it, it very often gets it wrong. Last time I requested it, it played one One Direction, What Makes You Beautiful obviously an absolute banger but not the sort of tune that is good to worship with (laughs) anyway let's let's move back to psalm 103 look psalm 103 is always helpful it's always encouraging me to praise god but i find that it particularly speaks to me not when i'm already there and ready to worship but in those moments where i have to really stir myself up to worship and like many other psalms It assumes that sometimes we need to actually argue with ourselves. We need to battle with our double-mindedness, our emotions, our priorities. And we need to encourage ourselves. We need to say to our hearts, we need to say to our whole beings, we're here to worship God. God's actually made us worshippers of him. That's what we're called to do. We're here to worship I find that one of the biggest barriers to me engaging with God and me coming into a place of worship is actually myself. It's me. I'm more aware of myself than ever. And quite frankly, I'm getting quite sick of myself. You might feel (laughs) similar about me. Um, Life is currently this weird echo chamber, isn't it? Of being with my thoughts, hearing uh, our own voices a lot. I hear my voice a lot when I do things like this, when I communicate over Zoom. And then if that's not bad enough, as well as hearing our voices, on Zoom at least, there's this little picture in our peripheral vision of ourselves talking to ourselves. It's boring. I'm also sick of my unhelpful thinking. Why can't I get it into my head That the best thing I can do is worship, is to worship God, is to spend time with him. Well, the reality is this is hard because we are in a battle. And that's without the current coronavirus crisis. That just adds another layer of toughness. You are doing brilliantly every time you choose to push through into a place of worship every time you decide to contribute to encourage someone around you when everything in you says look I'd rather opt out I'd rather keep myself on meat and this psalm helps us to do it it resets our priorities it reminds us of who God is and how he sees us so we are really expected To talk to ourselves, to have a word with ourselves, or if you like, have a word with your soul. And this psalm is not a be positive, self-talk exercise where you just say to yourself, look, you've got to sin louder, you've got to work harder. No, it's a lot more profound than that. We are to proactively remind ourselves of the way that God acts towards us. And in particular, verse 3, at the start of this, it focuses us on the reality that God forgives our sin and he heals us. Forgiveness once and for all. So God dismisses our rebellions so that, as it says later on in the Psalms, they go into exile as far as the east is from the west. Our sin and our mess is behind us it no longer defines us. I was thinking of uh, my response to this and my response in general. And the reality is for me, I'm not much of a cry person. I can be quite an emotional person, but I don't cry a lot. So much so that my children, uh, 8, and six, they would say that they have never seen me cry. And I don't think that's particularly healthy. So there've been times where I thought, if I should just, you know, shed a little tear, um, just to show them that it's it's okay to to be emotional and it's okay to be real, I haven't. That lacks integrity <laughs> uh, and would cause its own problems. However, the time where I remember crying more than ever is shortly after I came to faith, and I watched the the Passion of the Christ at the cinema, and that night. I went home and I absolutely bawled my eyes out. What got me in it was the magnitude of what Jesus had gone through in order for me to be made right with God, in order for me to be forgiven. He has done it once and forever. Praise God. So it also says, he heals our diseases. So sometimes that's our physical health. Sometimes that's our mental health. Sometimes we have to wait for healing on, and until the great and glorious day when Jesus returns where there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sickness. But we can know for certain that in this moment, our spiritual health, is promised it's promised in the here and now because of the cross you know this psalm it refocuses our restless souls on god it says he is the lord who forgives us who redeems us who makes us the object of his covenant love and compassion. He satisfies us with all that we need. He refreshes us, he blesses us with all his righteousness and justice. It's amazing. Your life is of great cosmic importance because the Creator God has chosen to make you the object of his affections. And this rescue, this saving, is actually from ourselves from the mess of our own sin from our own making and that's the theme of the next part of this passage so here these beautiful verses We're, we're now reading verses 6 to 14 it says this the lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed he made known his ways to moses his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. David illustrates this rescue, this saving in verses seven to 12 by cataloguing this grace and action towards Moses and the Israelites so he quotes from Exodus 34 verse 6 when he says that he revealed his character to Moses telling us that the Lord's nature is to be compassionate and gracious and patient and loving towards us that's what it says in verse 8 the Israelites were rescued from brutal slavery from a, a tyrant In fact, a Satan-like figure in Pharaoh who killed creativity and calling and instead demanded dominion and death. And David warns his readers not to forget God's incredible rescue mission. This is a, a major theme in the Old Testament and for good reason. If you wondered why the Old Testament is full of repetition, A key reason for this is because of how forgetful the people of God are. They need constant correction. They need constant reminders. In fact, the root of the Israelites' problems actually came from them forgetting. They forgot how good God is. We're told to forget not his benefits. And yet all the time we see the Israelites doing just that. Let's look at one of the many, many examples. In Exodus 16, God rescued and sustained his people by providing manna. And he did this for an extended period of time. Day after day, this food from heaven comes to to protect them and to keep the, the people of God healthy whilst they were in the desert. I mean, what a miracle. What a God. And yet, in the very next chapter, the people of God, they were short of water. And so they started quarreling with Moses. And they said things like, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? I mean, this literally came a chapter after God filling their hands with manna. Some of them, as they were making this complaint, probably had their hands full of this manna, this heavenly food that was sustaining them in the desert. I mean, it's laughable, it's ridiculous. And incredibly, God still didn't lose his patience. He still provided water through Moses, striking that rock. But what an incredible case of spiritual dementia. And it's easy isn't it to laugh at the Israelites, it's easy to think what fools, but are we any different? I'm so prone to spiritual forgetfulness, I mean a silly example over the last few weeks is during this time of lockdown it's obviously been really tough, you know it's tough to try and uh, uh, teach our kids to to do work, it's tough when you fail at an 8 year old math assignment (laughs) But during these tough times, I've actually felt quite blessed by God. You know, I've encountered him in fresh ways as I've made space for him. He's refreshed me. And I've journaled this. I've written a lot of this down. But even as far as a couple of days ago, I found myself in one of my low moments asking God, God, where are you? I felt so disconnected. I'd, and I'd so easily forgotten all the connection that I did have how quick I was to forget and I'm, I'm also very good at asking for stuff I'm, I'm good at asking God for all manner of different things but do I spend much time reflecting on all of my answers to prayer or do I just move to the next point down on my list my next prayer request? I'm not so different from the Israelites. And I think that all of us are prone to forgetfulness. It's, it's, if you like, it's a human condition. I don't know if this changes as kids get older. I suspect not, but as a parent, I am constantly having to remind my children to do stuff all the time. You know, our current favorites are, look, tidy your room and wash your hands. Oh man and this is the the new favorite um please could you sit down whilst eating <laughs> why is it so hard to master sitting down whilst eating food i mean and that and that's pretty inspiring parenting isn't it and it's another reason why i get so bored on my own voice but thank god he has a lot more patience than i do with his cosmic equivalence. So whether you are feeling close to God or not, we are to remember God's faithfulness with us. He rescued us, he brought us to a place of freedom. Psalm after psalm does this and we are to do the same. And who ultimately is our rescuer? Well, it's Jesus. The whole thing is about Jesus. This is all fulfilled in Jesus. When I reflect upon my own personal testimony, my own personal story, he rescued me when I had my back turned to him. You know, I was a cocky know-it-all who was pursuing with all of my energy the lie that fundamentally life is about my own pursuit of happiness, my own self actualization my own fulfilment. You know, then at 20, this worldview was so challenged, it was brought crashing to the ground and I ended up locked away from the world. I isolated myself because I was so totally and utterly depressed with the reality that overnight my joints had all swollen up. They were incredibly painful and I was left unable to walk. I felt like, just like that, my health had fallen apart. But at my lowest I encountered Jesus, I encountered him. And whilst it took many months for me to be able to, to walk any distance again, and actually I'm still on immunosuppressants, which stopped my immune system attacking my joints and causing them to swell up again. However, in this point, at this moment, at that time, Jesus broke into my self-focused, insecure, small world, He revealed himself to me and he rescued me from myself, from my own sin, from my own shame. A life transformed, the the mess of my past no longer defining me. Instead, a new freedom and a new sense of purpose. And if, if you currently don't know Jesus, even though we're on lockdown at the moment, you can encounter him in this moment. You can encounter him in this moment and in doing so, feel more free than ever in spite of physically being stuck in your home. If you would like to explore this possibility, there is opportunity to respond at the end of this message. And there's, there's more good news for all of us. Not only are we saved and then we're left to it, when we come to faith, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And his role is to remind us of what Jesus has done. And all of us, we can keep on asking to be refilled up so that he keeps reminding us of what's happened. And he is the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. That is our reassurance about the future. And that reassurance is what the next five verses are about. So let's look at them. Verses 15 to 19. It says this, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom, his kingdom rules over all. So not only does our security come from seeing God's hand on us in the past it comes from knowing where we are going eternally what freedom it is to know that our final destination what our final destination is as co-heirs in the kingdom of God and this kingdom the kingdom of God is actually a central theme in uh, the gospels particularly the first three gospels Matthew Mark and Luke where there is over a hundred references to it but I find it quite hard to, to actually get my head around what this kingdom of God looks like. So when I think about it, when I think of the kingdom, I think of the, the rule of God, if you like. And any rule, any political party, any monarch has a manifesto. And the manifesto of God's kingdom is deliverance. It's salvation, it's righteousness and justice, it's peace, it's joy, it's God's presence, it's healing, it's comfort. And we will eventually get to a place where God's kingdom is total, it's fully arrived. But at this moment, the Bible describes the kingdom as uh, being both present and future. This means that there's tension because the kingdom is now and it's not yet. Ultimately, we are destined to spend eternity in his kingdom. And we see the kingdom of God increasing in us as a nation around the world. We see miracles take place. We see people healed. We see people uh, brought out of uh, their own mess and uh, set free. However, the kingdom hasn't fully yet come. We're in a battle and although the ultimate outcome is secure, there's still skirmishes that take place as kingdoms collide, as the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world collide. So being a Christian doesn't suddenly make your life plain sailing. I was on uh, some training the other day and I heard this really helpful thing. Um, It's an analogy that when we say yes to Jesus, we are in effect rescued but we're rescued onto a battleship rather than a cruise liner so imagine this imagine this you are on a cruise liner you're sipping away on a pina colada you're tasting that um, pineapple goodness You're, you're in your sauna the sun is shining you are loving life you're loving life and then all of a sudden you get shot at What's your response? Well, you run for cover and then you you get a real sense of shock, of fear, of anger. You know, why am I being shot at? This was supposed to be a holiday of a lifetime. God, why are you letting this happen to me? However, if you are aware that instead of being saved onto a cruise ship, you've actually been saved onto a battleship and even on this battleship that you've been saved on there are there are moments of luxury you might still have that pina colada and that jacuzzi but when shooting takes place it highlights the reality that you're probably in the right place and you're actually thankful to god for the blessings that he has given you and so what do you do well you pick up your weapons and you fight back a lot of people they give up their christian ward because their expectations when they come to faith are wrong. You know, I'm now a Christian. Isn't God supposed to protect me? You know, why am I having these hard times? Why am I having this pain and this frustration? But the reality is every believer is going to face battles. Maybe it's battles of the mind. Maybe it's physical battles. Maybe it's health issues. Life is tough. Life is tough, but ultimately, if you know Jesus, there will be a day where we meet him face to face and we will spend eternity in paradise, enjoying something so much greater than a cruise ship lukewarm (laughs) pina colada. (laughs) So we have reassurance about our future. The last few verses are our response to this reality. It says this Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We're back to where we started. This rallying cry finish is to go with the rallying cry heart. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's a come on, let's stir ourselves up to worship. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Chris, he's going to lead us in a final song. And so with all that you have, go for it. Acknowledging all that Jesus has done in your life. Reflecting on the reality of knowing that because you know Jesus, you know where you're going to go when you die. Well, maybe you've heard this message and it's dawned on you that you haven't encountered Jesus. You're less certain of what eternity actually looks like for you. Well, that can change today. There's opportunity to respond right now by clicking on the raise your hand button the raise your hand icon which means that one of our prayer team will get in touch and in a very relaxed way they'll be able to answer any questions you have of faith and they'll be able to pray with you this could be the moment where everything changes for you as you meet Jesus as you say yes to Jesus now Another step for some of you might be Alpha. Now, we're starting Alpha on Tuesday. It's a brilliant space to explore faith. We'd love for you to sign up. It's totally free. But that's it from me today. Keep on going. Keep on fighting a good fight. And thank you so much for watching. Let's worship.